That'll just be it. That'll just be the intro. Like, hello, this is Popeye. Here's some blazing doubles. Now, can I have a triplet? Triplets? Ooh. So I'm doing this on my desk. How about a waltz? What the f- I can't do a waltz. <laughs> Come on. Don't you know the guy who taught me how to play drums? <laughs> Used to just spin like Aerosmith records. <laughs> Be like, this is Toys in the Attic, brother. You want to know a funny story I just heard about Toys in the Attic? Yeah, I definitely, definitely do. I love that so record. So apparently they were recording that record and uh, they went to see, I'm assuming drunk or on cocaine or whatever those dudes yeah. were doing in those days. They went to see the movie Young Frankenstein, Mel Brooks classic, one of the yeah. maybe, what, top 10 funniest movies ever, at uh, least yeah. in the running. And, uh, you know, the scene in the movie with the, I'm not going to play the whole thing out, but, but there's, you know, that funny scene in the quote in the movie with the toys in the attic. And they thought it was uh, so funny that they, um, the that they used it for, uh, wait, I'm mixing up this whole story. <laughs> oh, it's not toys in the attic. <laughs> it's... Um, <laughs> Shit. Oh, the Rats worst. in the cellar? The worst. <laughs> walk this way. Not toys in the <laughs> attic. It's when Igor comes out and he's like, walk this way. You know? Yes. Yeah. So not, oh, why they kept saying toys in the attic. So my bad. But yes, <laughs> they went to see Young Frankenstein and that's what inspired Walk This Way when they went back to the studio and used the title. How interesting, huh? <laughs> Blew that one. Blew that one. Professional show. <laughs> I like it. We got, you know, we got, uh, we got two references in there. That's good. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, how you doing, Brad? You okay? I'm ready for a vacation that I know is not coming. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. If you, like, balls in your court, say, I'll give you two options right now. Okay. Say, like, your schedule and your family is just out of nowhere. It was like the next two weeks are wide open. I'll give you two choices. Where's one place you would go with your family that could maybe be cool? And what's one place if you had just two weeks by yourself? You had a million wow. miles, a million air miles. So I think with the family, I think that I would go to Stowe and do some skiing because we used to do that. Every winter for a little while, back when my wife's dad was kind of fronting for uh, for the lodging, which made it because it's pretty expensive to go skiing and yeah, stay. Can places. imagine. Where's that? Vermont or something? Yeah, it's northern Vermont. It's beautiful. It's a great mountain. I think that would probably be the because that would be fun. It'd be beautiful. The kids would kind of be out of my hair. Yeah, nice lodge, fires, hot chocolates. Uh, yeah. Bear in mind, good. everything of my understanding of this place is from movies since I have never <laughs> skied in a ski lodge. But it's kind of like that. There's always like an appraised ski dude, like up there, and sometimes a band playing, you know, like classic rock covers. That I've done. <laughs> I, so, so I've never been skiing. I've never been up in a mountain doing that stuff, but I have played. At ski lodge shows. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> uh, a couple times. I once played a snowboarding event back in right. the 90s or early 2000s where I'd right. never seen anyone, musicians, jocks, 
anyone go more ham on a hotel than these oh, fucking really? guys. Oh my oh, god, there was toilets in the hallway. No. Was, yeah, I guess it was like the peak of X Games when these dudes right. like really And they're still meatheads, not and not yet professional athletes. Yeah, kind of. It was some mix between like X Games and fucking Jackass and like there was this right. sort of I I don't know. That's when like just bro shit mentality completely like co-opted alternative sports. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Which I think it's balanced out a little at this point. I could see that. But I have done that. I feel so. Okay. So, so you're up in the lodge with the family. What's your solo break out the silk underwear trip? Honestly, like, I don't think I need to use my imagination too much. I was just talking. I was at a Christmas party over the weekend talking to another dad saying like, dude, if I could just like spend like two or three days in a nice hotel with like bowl full of gummies and some fucking nice liquor and just mm-hmm. watch movies all day, I think I would be totally fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> save the money. Put me in the roadside motel for two weeks where no one well, can find right, me. Well, maybe not that the roadside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying roadside. Oh, no, 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 we've man. got it to my fantasy now. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll cruise by. I'll be on the highway and I'll see that little roadside motel with just like one car parked in front. <laughs> and... You know, I always think this, you know, I go back to like sketchiness, who knows what's going on in there. But I can't say there's just not a, a slight tinge of jealousy. Dude, I'm like, whoever that lonely man is in that room, I don't know, is doing some version of what I actually want to be doing. <laughs> Nothing. I kind of, I kind of <laughs> get that sitting in there, sitting on the edge of the bed with the bad yeah. paneling, smoking. Yeah, I think Marlboro. I'd have to pick up cigarettes again for a couple weeks just to make it <laughs> to feel stay. right, right? Yeah. You're not going to sit hotel. in there and like not drink and smoke. No. Um, no. Yeah, you got to fill the, the sink full of ice. You don't even use the sink for water, <laughs> you know? It's just yep. a cooling system. Yeah, this sounds good. <laughs> so, all right. So, nice hotel for you for, for a few days. That sounds good. I mean, you staying in the city? You getting out? Maybe someplace that's got a in-house masseuse. I could get a back rub and once go. a day. I probably couldn't handle it for more than two days. Although yeah. maybe Vegas, that might be fun. Vegas, yeah, I go to Vegas oh, yeah. by myself. Go to one of the fancy hotels, get some spa yeah. services. Yeah, yeah, that could uh-huh. be. That could uh-huh. work. I like that. Some casual gaming. You know, I don't. I didn't. I wouldn't need to go nuts, but sure, get down there and play a little craps and some blackjack. Maybe even a poker. I don't know. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. yeah. No ladies of the night? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you though, Brad. I have the same thing. This winter was coming, right? And like, I felt it, you know, somewhere around like November, I was like, oh God, I feel it. Yeah. I feel this creeping thing like starting to come. I'm like, why am I getting sad? You know? And it's like, <laughs> I used to be one of those people. I literally, on a dare, wore shorts through the winter one year. <laughs> you know, like one of those fucking idiot kids. Like, That's I just quite a dare. <laughs> I just did not care. I didn't care at all. And I was essentially going from like my car to school and my car to work. And like, right. it's not like I was outside working. So I didn't like care. You know, I was that type of person. I was, I was, I was like laughing at people who would, Oh yeah, the winter's getting me down. I'm like, whatever. 
<laughs> Frozen Wonderland. And now, bro, at this age, I feel it. Shit, man. I know why snowbirds exist now. <laughs> Days get short, especially when you have kids and yeah, you're like this... waking up and it's dark yeah. and shit. You're like doing homework after school and it's dark. Yeah. Like what just happened? It's like I've never been not cold all day. Like yeah. is less going on. And then, yeah, like you said with the holidays and like, you know, for a bottled up motherfucker like me, I can't imagine how many different triggers are getting hit right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know? So it's like, oh, man. So so I'm trying, I'm trying so hard to stay ahead of it, right? Like, I know it's happening, which is step one, right? When you're Mm -hmm. really fucked up, you don't even know what's happening. Right. So I'm like, that's a win. I know it's happening. I'm like, I hate the gym, but I'm like forcing myself to go like four days a week. I'm like, if I'm going to be sad, at least I'll look like Vin Diesel and be sad, you know? (laughs) Um, At the very least. That'll probably help with something. Cortisol levels, I don't know. Yeah. But man, this like, uh, I really, I tell you, Brad, this back and forth that I've been going through for like 25 years at this point of like being away and coming home and, you know, like six months of your life just being completely frantic with the wheels never stopping. And then like six months, like not moving at all. And especially Mm -hmm. when you wind up in the doldrums of winter, shit, man, this stuff is starting to get like pretty wild, you know, like, like I could feel it on a more extreme level than I used to feel. It's going to take a lot of diligence to stay out of the madhouse, my friend. You know what you need to do now that you've got a little bit of country around you? Tell me. You need to get into uh, cross-country skiing. Oh, yeah? Get up every morning. People do do that around here. I've seen it. Yeah, dude. It's so good for you. And like, probably like, it's probably a great way to take in nature. I've done it, but only a couple times. And um, it was, it's kind of cool. It's kind of magical. My wife's uh, aunt and uncle live up in Vermont. Like, they're just like the healthiest old people I know. They get up every morning and go out. Cross-country skiing. Yeah. What what do you need to do this? You need boots, skis, skis, poles. Yeah, that's it. And some more nice What about like on your person? Like I can't just wear like what I normally wear, like jeans and a hoodie, right? Well, you get pretty warmed up though. Yeah, you would just need like, I don't know, some fleece maybe. Something that'll... fleece. (laughs) Something that'll breathe a little bit. Oh man, I didn't want to have to go to EMS this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, you might. Have I got to find someone else who does it to take me out like a couple so, times first. Yeah, right? like yeah, like you it's don't want to go to like REI and rip off like three grand and be like, eh, this is just no, okay. You don't need um, to do that. Yeah, that's interesting though. So wait, but you're bas- you just basically walk right, and your feet slide. Yeah. Like, so the the <laughs> like, skis is it are like easier to get around. Like the skis are like barbed. So that they go forward really easily, but they don't really go backwards very easily. I see. So it almost feels like the the escalator walking thing at the airport. Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> I feel like that's what it would feel like. Is it? That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, you're kind of like yeah, you're kind of you can do like especially on a flat surface, you can kind of do like a medium style like long walk and yeah but you're moving fast yeah it's kind of like that. all right cross-country skiing check out my Ooh. ig stories coming soon <laughs> need some snow though um yeah you do so 
far side, calling hours, Popeye. Oh, yeah. Man, like, this is someone who I've known about since I was, like, a little kid. I mean, for a little reference, like, I talk sometimes, I think, freely about this, like, one scene. You know, this kind of early to mid, I guess early to late 90s, through the 90s on Revelation Records and some of the stuff that was happening there. And, like one of the reasons I was so tied to it because there was a band and it's come up a number of times. It came up in the Fred interview um, from Taking Back Sunday because Shades Apart was a big part of his coming up. And then now with Farside, you know, it turns out this tour I went to when I was 15 or 16 years old was Farside's first tour predicated on Shades Apart, randomly calling them and asking them to come on tour. Now, the reason this is extra cool for me is because this band, Shades Apart, is from the town like I went to high school in. They're from Bridgewater. Um, They went to the high school, you know, long before me. Mark, the singer, worked at Stex Delicatessen, which is great German deli that, like, my brother worked at for a while. Just hit it a couple months ago. Sandwiches are still dope. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, like, like I'm in eighth, I'm in uh, like my senior year of high school, and I see the drummer walking around the halls. I'm like, Ed, what's up, man? He's like, Oh yeah, I'm here trying to get a substitute teaching gig. You know, like, oh like, man, and you know, and when I was like a sophomore, junior in high school, they filmed a video for Tainted Love, the soft cell cover in their backyard in Bridgewater. That is me in that video wearing a backwards flat cap and a Sensefield t-shirt to add to the Revelation thing even more. Uh. So anything tied to this, like like we even talked about in the interview, there was this, you know, response to, I think, that happened in the 90s to a lot of kids like me and seemingly like Popeye who were involved. The 80s, so much of like the stuff that was going on was based on like kind of tough guy stuff, really like, you know, non-metaphorical lyrics about, you know, (laughs) like the struggles and unity and sometimes violence, often violence and stuff like that. And like, you know, I always loved the speed of music. I loved like the power of music. I was connected to that, but I had no interest in listening to like, tough guys talk about like beating people up like that that had no, did nothing for me and then i think there was this almost follow up where people were like we're going to use these tools of punk rock and hardcore and kind of create this more like you know uh i i guess more alternative rock based right. format to it in a way and that's right. what so much of that 90s stuff is like the shades apart Sensefield, Farside, it was just this beautiful blending of like punk rock and hardcore stuff with real songs, real choruses, lyrics you can dig into, um, you know, and, and for I think kids our age, it was this really important type of music that got us from A to B and, and Farside and Popeye were like a big part of it and you know, even the the album Rochambeau, one of their first ones where Popeye was talking about how some of the stuff on, he's like, I was really young, you know? And, yeah. you know, and, and I know exactly the song he's talking about. There's a song in that record that's like an anti-racist song. And yeah, I listen to it now at 43. I'm like, sure. Okay. It's, you know, it's, uh, there's more nuanced ways to look at this. 
But <laughs> the intention was right. It's not like he was on the right side of history. He's writing an anti-racist song. Right. And I was 14 or 15 listening to it. So I didn't know the fucking difference then. I was impacted by it. You know what I mean? I didn't know it was like a, you know, a more youthful take on the thing because I was a kid. Yeah. So it worked for me, you know, at the time. And it was in your language. Exactly. And it totally resonated with me. Um, and then the Monroe Doctrine was this really, really like... In our little world, it was probably one of the most like looked forward to records for for ages because they were a band. Everybody was waiting to see what they were going to do. Um, it took a long time to come out, if I recall, and there was a lot of like redos and stuff like that. And then it came out, and it still stands as like one of the benchmark records of that era, and and a totally re listenable album that's still, you know really fucking good. And there's songs on there that are they're lasting the test of time and I still listen to. One of which we talked about is I Hope You're Unhappy, which is yeah. literally one of the most beautiful songs like still I've ever heard. Um, so, you know, cut all this time. I, you know, Popeye's done solo stuff. He's good buddies with uh, Andy Diamond here in New Jersey and he's always played shows around here, but we've never actually hooked up. And then you know, I get an email. I've I heard about this Calling Hours record. I was like, "Oh, great, Popeye, new music!" And then I listened, and I'm just like, "Oh, this is like it's like a blanket. This is nice." You know, it's right in the the wheelhouse of things we like. Brian McTurnan produced it, so the sounds are there and familiar. Um, you know, his voice has grown up. You can hear how it's changed. Actually, oddly enough, I think it's kind of sounds more like Mark from Shades Apart than it used to, which is kind of awesome. The way it's the way his voice is aging and growing into it. But then you still get these great choruses, great songs that just like hook you right in. So it was, it was really uh, it was a pleasure to like get into this Calling Hours record and learn a little about Popeye and the history. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That was a long-winded explanation. I guess this, <laughs> this music means a lot to me, you know? Obviously it does, buddy. Did I have too much coffee, Brad? Too much. <laughs> or you had too much coffee, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, play the train. That's enough. <laughs> You are you a daytime? Na- can you nap during the day? Are you one of those? I can nap pretty much uh, all the time. Like that's oh. my that's the favorite thing. That that's my man. If there was like 
if there was an Olympic sport for napping, <laughs> I would have so many gold medals. Like that's all I want to do. I just want to sleep all the oh. time. That, see, Brad, this lends into right where we left off last episode. I know. People we... from California can sleep. <laughs> Their souls are, are lighter. They have... The, they don't have the guilt? <laughs> no, I don't know. They just close their eyes and, and go to sleep and then wake up. Anybody from here is like toiled by generations of being on like boats and just... Well, <laughs> but, but I, think, I, I think when you're on the East Coast, you have to think about like, oh, I have to get the gutters cleaned and rake leaves and uh-huh. shovel the steps and snow and all that kind of crap. And you don't really have to worry about that in California. So yeah, there's nap time. Let me let me ask you this. So now you've been in Scranton, right? For how long? A few years? Uh, six years. Six years. So has there been like a marked difference in like, is napping harder now than it was in California? <laughs> or are you still consistent? Like, is it chipping away at your California soul? Well... I, 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 yeah, I, I will always be it a is. California soul, but the difference is um, I'm not allowed to get away with it when I'm in Pennsylvania because I get yelled at if I take yeah. a nap. Oh, yeah. right. And it's like, well, well did, did you see the leaves out there? It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> but it's, na- it's nap time. No, <laughs> it's leaf time. It's leaf time. Oh, so Leaves that's time, what it is. Nap time. Yeah. So that's so. interesting. I've never considered I always I always think of it as like more of a you know, existential kind of thing with people from California, but maybe it is also, you know, the part of the variable is just the physical element where we're we're not allowed to rest here because the elements are more There's after always us. shit to do. Yeah, always. Yeah. It yeah. never stops. Now, have yeah. you adopted to that? Are you now like a, are you a yard guy? Um, <laughs> uh, not according to my wife, uh, but, uh, but I try to like, uh, uh, we have a lawnmower and I try to do the mowing. That's, that's, that's how I earn my allo- allowance. <laughs> Even when we were in California, we had lawns and, uh, that's, that's how true. I earned my, that's how I earned my allowance is I had to mow the lawn. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of the same thing. It's like, uh, Hey, honey, can I can I get my dollar fifty for you know to go get um, something after I mow the lawn? Um, trim it up nice. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then and then you got the edgers and all that kind of stuff. But you gotta get into it. I will admit, you get into it because you look at you look at the lawn and then you and then you say to yourself, "Hey, fuck you, lawn! I'm gonna fucking." Take you down, man. Oh, I'm gonna take you down. <laughs> so you believe in like man's dominion over your lawn? Yes, but then after you finish, <laughs> then you got to go take a nap because you just right. get tired. Yeah. To beat you up a little bit, a little bit. So how's that? Um, what what was the actual impetus for for moving from California after what four plus decades or so? Love. Yes, a woman. A woman followed a yep. woman to Pennsylvania. Yes, yes. And like what what kind yes. of um <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So uh That's a novel right there. The yes. a novel if I've heard. Yeah, it may as well be. Well, and uh it's it, pretty much the impetus of the uh the calling hours record. Um but Is that right? uh, yeah. Uh yeah, she she was originally from 
from California as well. She moved to Pennsylvania for work. We were actually introduced by the guys in the band Sensefield. Oh, wow. And, and that, that kind of turned into a, a long distance relationship. And, and then I moved out to Pennsylvania to be with her. And then, and now I rake leaves and, uh, <laughs> we, and, and we have a, we have a lot of, we have a lot of cats. And Ooh, how uh, many so, we talking here? Uh, currently 11. Goodness. Last time few. I checked. That's a few. Yes. Yeah, it's a few. Um, and uh, a couple of rabbits, but uh, I will I will say that the rabbits cause more trouble than all of the cats combined. Um, do they do they coexist together in the house? Yeah, they're all cool with each other, but okay. uh, the but the ra- the rabbits all the rabbits just want to destroy everything and the cats are just sitting around like, yeah, what are you going to do for me? Like uh Right, right. Yeah, they're cool. I kind of imagine um, with eleven. I mean, is there a little bit of a Doctor Doolittle thing going on? Like you can just like sit on the couch and just call to them, and they yeah, it depends on which couch you're sitting on. But uh, they they all have their habits, and uh, <laughs> there, there's only one cat that's a jerk. The other ten are pretty cool, so it's like yeah, fine. And you know, the cats clean up after themselves. They're they're very uh, self sufficient and sure independent and so that's you know that's nice so you just gotta make sure that you don't uh you don't forget about the litter boxes and uh oh man feeding time is that's that's a big to do because uh it's a frenzy like, oh man anytime <laughs> anybody goes in the into the kitchen and it's it's like a it, it, it's it, it's like one of those shark situations when uh-huh. like a feeding frenzy and and it's like I just walked into the kitchen. Why are there eight of you like <laughs> swirling around? <laughs> like, all right, I'll give I'll give you something. Here's some here's some temptations or some greenies or whatever. So, yeah. Have you have you know is uh is there a visible pecking order like like Animal Kingdom stuff where like you can see who's on top, who's fighting for the top? Is there a whole thing? Kind of, uh, but. For well, for the well, kind of, but there's there's uh, there's one cat that that doesn't have any teeth, oh. and and she's a very very slow eater. So we'll we'll put a little food down on her little plate, and then I have to be the goalie to make sure that the other cats don't, <laughs> because the other ones will just gobble it up like. Yeah, they're just like yeah, fuck you, yeah. So do the cats and rabbits eat together or what's the deal with that? No, the, the the rabbits get their own stuff. They get their leafy greens twice a day. But at the same time they eat? No. Nah. Okay. No, they 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 have their own room. They're in a, they're in a different place. <laughs> their yeah. own room. Yeah. Nice. No, they, they all get along fine, but they, they 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 just don't care about each other and it's like it's good for me cuz ultimately I want to go back and take a nap. <laughs> in the end, in the end, I'll do. In the end, you're making me tired, and I and I do it in a way so that my wife doesn't think that I'm going back to take a nap because oh. I don't want her to think oh. that I'm lazy. Yeah, should we not it's talk? Okay. Do we want to air this out or? <laughs> yeah, air it out. That's fine. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> is it, is it like a secret room? Like you pull back a book and like a, a, uh, the, a bookcase well, reverse? No, I call it my office, quote unquote. Yeah. That's a uh-huh. that's a. 
you know, my office. And then, uh, um, and she's never going to listen to any, <laughs> any podcast that I've ever done. Okay. You're safe. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's fine. So I'm like, uh, Hey honey. Uh, yeah, I just took care of the animals and I'm just going to like, are you going to get back to work? Okay. I'm going to get back to work too. And then yeah, I yeah. go into, what are you I meant in, to be doing in the office? What, whatever. Just working on some lyrics back here, grinding them out. <laughs> um. yeah. yeah, yeah, I can kind of make up anything, and it's just like, listen, hey. sorry, McTurnan just called. He's, he's, he's just what? Like, he's like, I got too much. I got too. No, I'm, I'm being you. I'm being oh, you. Okay. Yeah, I'm like sorry, got to work like, on these lyrics. Uh, hey, honey, I got, I, I have an audition. I got to work on for yeah. a voiceover. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I, and then I just, you know, and then I just. Uh, Put my head down. And well, listen, I, if there's anything the Scandinavians know, right? Is that part <laughs> of being an artist is adequate rest, time for the mind to, to do its thing. So I think there is like a really, really kind of obnoxious um, way you could justify it in that way too. If you want to really play off like the artist card, you know? Like, yeah. listen, the mind needs to wander. It needs to collect information, you know? Maybe while wearing an ascot or something. Benny, in many cultures, napping is considered part of work. I think the Japanese have nap rooms in all of the yes. corporate yeah. offices. Spain. Yeah. Yes. And, and having grown up in California, we're very close to Mexico. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, is there a little bit of a siesta vibe for you Southern Californians? Oh, yeah, my God. Uh, any, anytime I can get it. Yeah, I will do it. I will take advantage of it. Every time. It's like an oasis. I just imagine picking an orange from a tree, the juice drizzling down my chin, and then like laying back for a like a midday nap. Like that's what California feels like to me sometimes. I should really move there. I'm going to go the opposite of you. I'm 43 (laughs) years in New Jersey, so maybe it's time for me to go to nap time, you know? I'm sure you've been here, though. Many times, and I really yeah. like it. I think this is yeah. one of the reasons I'm always fascinated by this topic. So, is just like I think I'm reselling my own mind that I need to wind up living there at some point. There's something about. It. I just drove up the coast a few months ago. It's one of my favorite oh, yeah? places in the world. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's, I love it so much. It's beautiful, but uh, I will say uh, you can't get disco fries or a decent pierogi out here on the west coast. <laughs> no, no, you got it. This is what I've learned traveling so much is that it's it's not a knock on anywhere, you know? Everywhere is good at different things, and you just try those things when you're there, you know what I mean? So, yes, yeah. I'm not eating pizza and bagels and stuff like that when I'm in California, <laughs> but, you know, I'm fucking up some burritos three times a day, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Got to. Did you find a burrito spot in Pennsylvania that's adequate? No. No. Yeah. No, but but in my mind, it's like if I can have a burrito, it's kind of like um I had this conversation with Jordan Cooper at Revelation because mm. he's an East Coast guy. And that's he's right. yeah. he's been out here on the West Coast for oh God, since like the late eighties. And he's he he he's a pizza uh connoisseur oh, like and, a, he's uh, a connecticut guy right yes yeah one uh, of the new haven new haven yes guys. yeah yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but he but he taught but he like he's obsessed with pizza and i'm not throwing him under the bus by any means but people are like 
uh, there's this one place. It's like 23 minutes away, but it's the closest thing to you can get to authentic New York pizza. And I was like, all right. Um, but the other thing is we've had this conversation where he said, where I've asked him, dude, if you're just getting pizza, isn't that like a good thing, even if it's the worst pizza? And he has admitted that, yes, even yeah. the middle school lunch line pizza yes. that you got. Give me the rectangle. You're you're still getting pizza, and that's a good thing. So Yeah, as long um, as the big three are in play, you know, as long as... <laughs> Those sauce and cheese are in play, right? Like, yeah, we're in business to an extent. Yeah, and those those little meat nuggets. It's like I don't even know if this is actual food, but I'm gonna eat it and I'm gonna yeah. be happy about it. There's a well known phrase about pizza and sex that like oh, pizza's right. like sex, even when it's mediocre, it's still pretty good. Yes, when it's, <laughs> I yeah. will I will wholeheartedly agree to. That entire sentiment. But Brad, I gotta so say, much. there might be have to be like an addendum to that because there's a a post. There's a you know, there's a couple things in play after both that can make the experience not as good. You know what I mean? <laughs> really like like pizza you shouldn't eat at the wrong time of night, gonna come back and bite you. You know well, what I mean? Once again, Sex you shouldn't have had. Well, you know, like, I I didn't say they like, were good or bad. Moment, I just in the moment, I just said they're sure. similar. They're similarities. Sure, but, you know, little but foresight again, that, though in that one. Maybe. But then at the end of the night, can you go to? Can you eventually fall asleep thinking, "Hey man, I had pizza," or "Hey man, I had sex." Yeah, but sometimes Either you lay way. down, Popeye, and you got the yeah. heartburn, you know? <laughs> like, it doesn't always work out. It doesn't always work out. Well, there, 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 there's cures for both of those things, but <laughs> you, you, you had it, you got it. You That's mentioned it. you were in your 40s. I am. You got to live uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my 50s, so it's like, I'll take whatever I can get at this point. Like, <laughs> right. Any, I mean, I, any nibble of shit. pizza or sex you can go yeah. near, I'm taking Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, if you're awake for it, <laughs> I don't have to. Be well, awake. then we get. Well, and then we, and then we're getting back to uh, nap time, which That's is it. also good. That's and it. I, I always enjoyed a European style of eating. Uh, since I've been here visiting my my family, uh, I'm staying here at my mom's, and we'll make food and we'll take a few bites, and then we both just kind of lean back on the couch and. We'll just kind of look at each other and say, "Do you want to take a break from eating?" Yeah, I want to take a break from eating. Oh, okay, good. It. And then Whoa, we we like nap tapis. in the middle of. Oh. oh my god, it's so good. That's great. And then and then we wake up like 15, 20 minutes later, like, "Hey, look at that! <laughs> a frozen pizza or, or some chicken or something." Yeah, it's like a we, surprise all over again. We take a little bite and then we uh, you know take another nap and see what's going on on uh, ESPN and then uh, yeah, take another nap. Where, where specifically in California is this? Where did you grow up? Uh, Huntington Beach. Nice. So yeah, that's a, where I am. Heart that's of Revelation Land. I know. Yeah, that's where I am currently. And uh, so you um, grew up on Huntington. Still, still got family there. Yes, that's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful place. Now, like, so when you started getting into like the punk and hardcore scene out that way. Like what, what years we talking and kind of like what venues and bands were 
were really creeping up, like when you were kind of getting your eyes on it? Um, oh man. Well, uh, we, we moved here on my eighth birthday in November, 1978. Okay. And, uh, I, I knew nothing about punk rock music at the time. Yeah. I was, so I was, I was eight years old. I, and we were moving out here from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, but then, uh, I have an older brother and an older sister who had cool friends and they would say, well, why don't you take this record home and, you know, check it out. And then I got exposed to bands like, uh, the clash and the jam and, uh, and then local bands like, um, the vandals and social distortion and, mm, uh, right. um, and I, I, I was just kind of like, a. <laughs> I was just like this little kid that just got lambasted with the, with all of this stuff. And I didn't know how to respond to it, to be honest with you. Um, oh, really? Was no, it a little off-putting at first, or or what, were bit, you like yeah, drawn? Cause, to, yeah, no, because because I, I was into Earth, Wind, and Fire, and <laughs> Huey Lewis in the News, and uh, any anything that uh, that my mom put on the on the car radio when we went out to go run errands together. Right. Yeah. Um, but then suddenly, uh, um. I heard this other stuff and I had no concept of it, but I just got into it. And so, uh, um, yeah, I just, uh, something about it just drew me in. Yeah. Were your brother and sister kind of like early punks then? No. Or, or just kind of like, like just randomly sort of exposed? Yes. To, oh, okay. It was <laughs> yeah. just randomly sort of exposed. Uh, they never, they were never in bands, uh, they they never did anything musically. I, I was just kind of that like little kid in the background that was like, "Hey, what is that? Can you play that again? Who's yeah, that guy? Yeah. Joe Strummer, something or other." <laughs> yeah. So. And I'm what was there a, around? Like, was there any great like, you know, record stores? Did you get into like skating or local shows? Like, what was your entry into the the kind of scene? Like, uh, it, it, it took a long time before I had the guts to feel like I could be part of it. I, I was always a puny little kid and um it must have been intimidating at that time too. I absolutely. Mean, yeah. yeah. It, no, it it wasn't until I was like maybe 14 or 15 to where I started to get a little punky. Um started to play around with my hair and stuff. <laughs> I kind I just I just kind of hit it cuz I, I I didn't want to get beat up. Um, I was always, cause I, because I knew guys that had like mohawks and stuff and I was like, oh, I can't do that. I, yeah. I can't come home with that. And my mom would never approve. And, uh, um, I, I, I used to have a, uh, I used to have a fake earring. Like, <laughs> like it was, it, 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 it was a paper clip that I bent around into a circle. And then when I would leave to go to school, I would clip it on my ear. And then when I came home, I took it off. And after a while, my mom was like, I know you're putting a fake earring on your ear. Like, why don't you? <laughs> like, I'm hip to you, mister. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. But I was but I was always a good kid and I, you know, I tried to get good grades and I was in drama class and I played sports and Oh, okay. Had a part-time job and all that kind of stuff, but I wanted to be ultimately I wanted to be a punk rocker. Yeah. But yeah. then I uh after hanging out with a lot of punk rockers, they were just I realized they were just complete losers. And <laughs> <laughs> and, was, and then I and then I started like becoming friends with the guys that were more and more into hardcore, like the guys right. from Hard Stance okay. and uh, yeah, uh, and uh, Uniform Choice, and yes. uh, instead, and it was like, oh yeah, like I I was never comfortable about you know messing up my body, and I don't want to I don't want to get on a big message here right now but something about it spoke to me like yeah, yeah you could you could you could be responsible and you could be cool and you could kind of act like a badass a little bit once in a while but you don't have to get fucked up and yeah. uh, and so i got into it even though i uh shamefully started smoking cigarettes when i was around 15 years sure. old um but I, I really like that. I, I really like that. I didn't have to drink or do drugs or smoke pot to be cool. And then, right. and I started becoming friends with these other guys. And as much as I loved punk rock music, something about hardcore music, the oh man, the. Uh, uh, the tenacity of it. Mm. And it was just like, it was, it was harder and it was faster and it was quicker and it yeah, was yeah. louder. And, oh man, that just drew me in so much. And it sounds and too just, like the messaging was just more in line with the kind of person you were at the time too, right? I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we all have our own life paths. But, uh, no, yours is. It, I bring that up because it sounds, and it's interesting too because I'm, you know, I'm sort of the generation past you, but I kind of grew up, you know, here, you know, the New York, New Jersey area in the wake of, you know, some pretty serious like tough guy shit, racist shit that was like, you know, really like. Right. You know, a tough yeah. scene that was like really scary and intimidating. Yeah. And then for me, you know, I discovered bands when I was probably like 12, 13, you know, like uh, Farside and Sensefield and, you know, Falling Forward and, you know, I don't know, any number of bands I could list from, you know, that scene and it was like sure i almost felt like i found my people in the way that oh i get to still like skate be vegetarian be alternative <laughs> yeah. like be not what that fucking shit is but i don't have to be like super negative i don't have to get into like fighting people i don't have to like get a tattoo on my forehead like i don't have to yeah. do all that i can go here and these are like my punk hardcore people that I feel like more comfortable with. I wonder if yeah. it was kind of like a response to it in a way, like culturally yeah. in our little mini subculture, you know? I, I always, I always felt that way too. Like it, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a community, you know, mm -hmm. 
that's that's or at least that's what I always wanted to believe and uh what is the you know all the uh my god I couldn't tell you how many friends I've made over the years just because of it and uh I didn't I didn't want to feel like it was uh I I don't even know what topic we're specifically <laughs> addressing at this moment but um to me it has always meant the world to me that uh that I got to be part of this um I never wanted it to feel like it was we're the band on stage and you're the the lowly audience down there in the crowd it's like no we're we're the same we're part of right. this yeah ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even in early Far Side stuff, I mean, you have some real, very direct anti-racist songs and and stuff like that. I mean, were those a response to like anything you were seeing locally, or that was kind of more of like a global perspective? No, actually, those those songs, I, those songs sucked. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> love them. <laughs> uh, I, not a fan. You're not listening to Rochambeau much, or. Uh, no, I'm very proud of that record. Oh, okay. uh, just uh, <laughs> from a songwriting point of view, um, at that point, I I wanted so desperately to be Kevin Seconds, right? But but then 
when I would listen back to some of these songs, I was like, oh man, that just, that's not good. You know, like, you're like, like you're, you're not, you're not that kind of a songwriter. Right. And then, <laughs> and then, and then gradually, uh, I started writing, writing things, uh, about more interpersonal stuff. And, right. uh, yeah. and that was, the, and those are the things that people tended to respond more greatly to and mm-hmm. uh so i just kept doing it it was it was like uh it was like journaling like uh you, you just when they say write about what you know um i don't know anything about racism i i i was a white kid who grew up in a middle class neighborhood in the suburbs <laughs> what do you what do you what do you possibly know about racism? Um, right. But then uh who are but, you talking uh, to? Yeah. I yeah, mean, listen, then, I, there's but, worse sentiments to have. I mean, there's a lot of people who you're who were your age who were like looking back and being like, Oh, well, I was a little racist. Like at least you were taking the right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at least you're on yeah. the right side of history, you know. Out, Sh- you know, maybe yeah, a little misguided, Sh- sure. I guess, for yeah. the time. But, but uh yeah. But but ultimately at the end of the day, most of the time I was thinking about like, oh man, I got a crush on this girl in my math class and she's not she's not acknowledging me. So why don't you write about that? Yeah. So but we just start well, that's part of growing up, though, because like you know, I the, the exact song on Rochambeau that I'm thinking of. When I first heard that song, I was young and I was affected by it. It like meant something to me. I wasn't a grown up yet. Like maybe if I had heard it at like 25, I would have been like, "Yeah, I know." But like I was like 13, and I was like, "Yeah," you know, it hyped me up. So you know, there's like. There's always a positive to this stuff. It always falls out in some weird well, ways. Well, I greatly appreciate that. You know, even uh, you know, even the story you told about you know getting into like, like I love that. There's just some person in Huntington Beach somewhere who was who was uh, gracious with their records. You know what I mean? And like lent their records out, and it trickled down to someone, and it like shaped part Aww. of their life. You know, there's all this like weird fallout when you're generous with your, you know, with your things and your heart and what you like. And instead of being a dick about it, you know, like, uh, <laughs> so that's <laughs> well, good. Uh, well, I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, I, 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 I can tell you, uh, um, I never expected any of this. So, um, I'm incredibly grateful that, uh, I get it, get to have this conversation in the first place. <laughs> Me too. Um, now, I, there's a couple stories specifically about your time in New York and New Jersey that I'd like some insight on now that I actually have you here. All right. Because I was at a show sometime in the mid-90s at the Middlesex County College in New Jersey that you played with Murphy's Law. And I yeah. think you guys were late. Or yes. something like that. I, and and Murphy's I will happily Law was talk to the headline. Yeah. Like, I will okay. happily talk to this. I will happily speak to this if we can talk about the time that we actually met at the Clash Bar in Clifton, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, both. That, Let's hit that both. Was, okay. Because okay. that was a great night. I've been thinking about it all week, man. Oh, yes. Okay. 
So let's hit let's hit Middlesex County College first with Jimmy. Okay. Jake. Yeah. What happened? Um, <laughs> I was we, just a kid in the crowd. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> all right. So we uh, that was the one and only winter tour that Farside ever did, and it was the first. That was uh, the winter of 1995. Um, big backstory. Uh, God, that sounded so douchey. Big backstory. <laughs> um, so um, Ed Brown from the drummer for Shades Apart. Oh yeah, I was still living at my mom's. I was at the time. Ed Brown somehow got my mom's phone number and called me and said, "Hey, do you guys want to go on tour?" Yes. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm sorry. Who is this again?" This is Ed Brown. Shades Apart. Yeah. You guys are great. Yeah. We like well, we like what you we like what you're doing. Um we we've never gone on tour before. You want to go on tour? Or like, yeah, I, I I suppose. And then I called like everybody else in the band, like, dude, Ed Brown from Shades Apart just fucking called me and wants to go on tour. I don't know what to say. We didn't have a we've never had a we had never had a booking agent or a manager or anything like yeah, that. I mean, and that so time, we just yeah. but we we liked each other's work, and so uh, um, we we managed to set up a winter tour, uh, and uh, yeah, so we went out and did like I don't know, like a week, week and a half of shows, and on the East Coast in January. Great idea, <laughs> yeah. Always and uh, so we were out there, and uh, um, oh man, like, uh, but. And they kept saying, we've never been on tour before. Is this okay? Oh, like, right. are we doing okay? And we're like, yeah, you're like the best band in the world. Like, Yeah, Shades Apart collectively, like the best band and the nicest. Oh my like, God. Like almost and too like, humble humans. Yes. Better. Yeah. And then, and uh, Lifetime played nice. a handful of shows with us out there too. And yeah. And, we were all like, oh, shit, should we just go back home? Sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and no one yeah, looks like Dan Yeeman up there. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we were, we were freezing cold. It was so ridiculous. It was so crazy. <laughs> it was such a blast. Yeah. Uh, what was the second thing I was supposed to talk well, about? Well, no. First, we still didn't get to this Murphy's Law story, like, at that show. Okay. Like, well, I wanted to mention that because that was part of the tour. So... One of the shows uh, at Middlesex College, and the thing with Middlesex College shows is that you had the show had to be done at like a very specific time. Yeah. They were in the cafeteria. Yes. Yeah. And uh, um, so the booking agent that was uh, setting this up said, "Oh, it's only like a you know hour and a half drive from here to." Middlesex College, and it took like all day. And here was and, uh, what New York. Where were we, you? Uh, no, I think we were in Connecticut. Oh yeah, that's not an hour and a half. Okay, no, no. but we were just like <laughs> okay, yeah. So there was like a you know a dozen of us in the in that place, and uh, and then we uh, we started driving out there. There was a horrible traffic jam, and and then we eventually showed up. <laughs> And all the other bands. Oh man, you're bringing back so many crazy memories for me. I'm sorry. No, this is great. Wow. 
Oh man. We finally <sighs> Oh man. The on a side note, these are the things that make it so completely worth it. <laughs> <laughs> the ridiculousness of it all. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so we Yeah, so we got there and uh um, we're just trying our best to load everything in. And, uh, <laughs> since the, since, since we weren't there, all the other bands had to play before us. We were not supposed to be the headliner. Yeah. Um, all of the guys in mouthpiece happened to be there mm-hmm. and, uh, and they were our friends and, they said, yeah, let's just jump on stage and we'll play a few songs to, to delay everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I kind of remember that. Yeah. I was like, why is Mouthpiece randomly playing? <laughs> yeah. Because they're just trying to delay everything. Oh, that and, makes uh, sense. Because Mouthpiece, sometimes you were like, wow, Mouthpiece is playing again, huh? Yeah. <laughs> for, for someone no, from New Jersey, were, I saw them probably like 45 times. Yeah. They were our friends. That's another story <laughs> for another time, I suppose. But uh, but then we finally walked in, and we're just like lugging our equipment. And uh, Jimmy G saw us and said, "Hey, Forsyth, you're fucking late." <laughs> and we're just standing there, like, "Yeah, we know." And then he said, "We're gonna fucking play this set, and we're going to the nearest Bullerama, and we're gonna fucking bull it out." <laughs> And and we and uh, Kevin Murphy and I just said okay, <laughs> and we we got to we got to play four songs yeah uh-huh. before they shut the place down, but but the other great part the greatest part is I don't know if you guys know Chris Ross he was uh, the drummer Chris, for yes. Nor this is Chris yeah. Ross is one of the people I texted to try to get some scoops from the old days. Oh, I'll give you some scoops. Um, Because then that that got moved to 67 Handy Street, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's exactly what happened. We had never met him before, and we had to to pack everything up and get out of there. Um, There's this guy who's, to me, like like a... a, 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 uh, Just, he's, hey, Popeye, you you guys want to come play some more? I'm like I I don't I don't know who who are you? Hey, just tell everybody you're coming to 67 Handy Street. Oh my god, I love this. <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know who you are. I don't know what that means. What are you saying? Just just make an announcement. 67 Handy Street. Okay. And so, uh, boom boom boom. Is this on? Uh, we're gonna go to 67 Handy Street. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knew. Yeah, and so we all and you know you didn't have a uh, GPS systems or anything like that, so we just we just kind of caravaned over there, and um, I think some people picked up some gyros and uh, yeah, uh-huh. um, yeah, and then that we adds up. and I, I I think Kevin Murphy had a Casio keyboard that he just kind of plugged into the PA system that had one of those. Uh, <laughs> Something like that. On it. on another note, um, 
Yeah, we sp- we spent a few days at Chris Ross's house, and at the time he had this wonderful uh, black Labrador mm-hmm. named mm-hmm. Ulysses. Ulysses, and uh, and after I eventually after I got back home um, to California, and I got my first job in the publishing industry, uh, I had access to um, the. Uh, the subscribership. Oh, really? And yes, yeah, so I set Chris up with a 100-year <laughs> membership to Dog Fancy Magazine. <laughs> Dog Fancy. He still gets it. <laughs> oh. He he told me it's like I've I've lived in three different places and they still keep finding me. <laughs> <laughs> that's I gotta say that's probably one of my prouder moments of being a musician is that I got to hook somebody up with a a 100 year membership of Dog Fancy magazine. Well, like he still has dogs, so it might come in handy. Yeah, I know. You know, like yeah. in, in perpetuity, yeah. this subscription might maybe it's yeah. turned online or something at this point. Yeah, I mean, as long as I could be good for something once in a while, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's so funny, man. Um, now, like, like it's this cool through line. Is you know, it seems to me, and a lot of bands from your generation that, like, you know, I, I was a kid, so to me, Farside was like one of the biggest bands in like the world. You know, now that I've like gotten into the music industry, I realize you guys only had you know one tour in Europe, and like you know maybe never even saw your peak. You were probably bigger after you broke up, I'd imagine, right? And are maybe even bigger now than you were at the time. Is that accurate? Uh, I, I I honestly don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I hear those, I hear those things once in a while from people that are younger than me, but, uh, um, that oh wow you know my my son really likes your band and it's like eh, eh, does your son not have any good taste in music I don't know um, <laughs> no I, I I mean do you not look at like the far side stuff as like impactful or anything like that like how how were you seeing it all these years when you were like away from it oh uh, I I I personally don't see it as being impactful at all. Wow. It was, uh, well, I mean, you know, to me, we were just, we were just doing something. We were just doing something at a particular time. And, uh, and then we moved on and then we, we had, uh, we had other things to do with our lives. We just, we just did something and, we're very grateful that people appreciate what we did, but uh, it's nothing that we ever hung our hats on or thought that like was going to change the world by any means. Right. We were we were just uh, we were just doing it. I, I, I think it. I think it's uh, uh, another thing is. Uh, a lot of people ask, like, what was it like being in the '90s, and you know, with all these bands, like all the all the stuff that was going on, and it's like, I don't know, like we were just we were just guys just doing stuff, yeah. And, uh, yeah. You, you know, when you when you 
when you're in the middle of the hurricane, so to speak, you don't know what's going on. And I'm, I'll put it this way. I'm so fine, so incredibly fine with leaving it where we left it and uh, moving on to something else with our, with our personal lives. And we're all still friends. It was an ugly breakup. Nothing terrible happened. We were, we just felt like, yeah, we can't do anything more. And we will probably never (laughs) play again. And, but we'll hang out again. But we probably will never play again because we would uh, suck if we ever tried to play again. Well, I mean, now that you're like moving on and, you know, establishing kind of a new thing, I mean, is it almost like I'm not going to be the last person to, to bring it up like is, you know is it gonna start to feel like burdensome you think i mean like 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 you'd almost prefer it to be further away than it is oh uh, well i mean i'm I, i'm definitely uh i have a lot of pride with what farside did but sure. um yeah uh, I, I'm cool with uh, with <laughs> with keeping it in the past, and uh, when you say burdensome, um, nah, I, I uh, there are there are times when it gets brought up. I'm happy to talk about it. I will happily talk about it, but uh, the thing is, I'm I will never. I will never be that guy again because I'm just, I'm 30 years older now. I just can't be that guy again. Sure. And I I don't want to, I don't ever want to be a shell of what I was. I understand that. So, All right. Well, then I want to get past Farsight. So in in that case, I'm going to ask one more question. About that, so we can move past it. <laughs> Ask a hundred more questions, man. Because like this is again, come on, man. Whether you like, like it or I'm not, I'm having a great conversation. Kids like we- me, kids <laughs> like me. Really, we saw we saw it differently. You got into. I'm going to keep telling you that. I don't care how it makes you feel. It impacted <laughs> me and my friends, and I'm going to make you. G damn believe it before we get off of here, <laughs> by golly. Um, right. So, but anyway, like, and I, I don't know if you know this, but, um, you know, Gaslight Anthem for a short stint, we covered, I hope you're unhappy. Yeah, um, I know. It is, it is like a song that after all these years, you know how there's just like songs that stay in your rotation forever, you know, like, like they're never gonna knock out. Like this song will always be in my rotation because it's been with me in some moments when I very much needed it. Kind of a looking past sort of thing. Couple lines in that song. Now, like, like was was that song at the time? Like, were you telling a story or was it autobiographical? Like, what what kind of a 
like a little like, can I get like a five minute like storytellers? Like, do you have an acoustic to pick up or something? Just be like, you know where <laughs> I, I where I was when I penned this. I was, uh, you know. <laughs> I would love to get Chuck Reagan about it, but uh, <laughs> you I got don't a cigar have a, or something. You know. I I I do not. I have an e-cigarette because I quit smoking about a year ago. But good for you. Um, good for you. Um, I've never met Brian. You know, my good buddy Jeff Caudill. Mm-hmm. Met him however many years ago that was. And Brian said to him, dude, Gaslight Anthem would not have existed if it wasn't for Game Face and Farside. Yeah. And that was, that was really tough for us to take because we were just fucking goofballs, man. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And Brian's correct because, you know, and that's, that's the thing too is, um, you know, for me, like also – the who who played Bob played played drums on Monroe Doctrine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean like like I've played along, you know, it's just one of those things and where Brian is correct in like, you know, certainly like the band doesn't sound exactly like it sounds like without you all. And that's where Yeah. You know, I believe in that like real trickle down with music and how many times I've sat down behind my kit and played to Monroe Doctrine. And Bob is really like clever player and re- just wrote like a really interesting way that I still kind of like, you know, hear things in there and I'm like, oh, that's dope. You know, he, he was great at like being a punk rock drummer, um, you know, but like with all those flourishes and stuff like that. But that's the funny thing is Bob was never really a punk rock drummer. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of hear it. That's good. Yeah, he just did his thing. Um so anyway, uh, for you to say that I hope you're unhappy was a meaningful song to you. And I can tell you, I don't exactly know where it came from. It just came. Um, I was walking to the liquor store to get a pack of cigarettes. And uh, I was in the middle of a breakup and uh, going back to my apartment. And, uh, and then I just kind of sat down and did something. Yeah. Well, that's where, I mean, at the time, a song like that, because even though a lot of that scene was like writing, let's say, like, you know, songs from the heart, emotional music, like it's like a Sensefield song or, you know, bands in that genre, like um, you felt it, but they, they weren't like, they were abstract. You know what I mean? Like they, they weren't not a lot of people were touching into like a proper like singer songwriter telling you a tale kind of thing. Like at that time, like that feels, it felt like ahead of its time, maybe where even people weren't even potentially like ready for it yet, you know? Um, Mm. And, and it took a while for people, I think, you know, I don't know what bands you can credit with it, you know, like, I don't know, weaker thans or, you know, Maybe someone like yeah. Chuck Reagan a little bit or, you know, people like that, sure. or, you know, against me or something who are kind of started bringing in that, like, like really co-opting the singer songwriter storytelling aspect, like into like a punk rock kind of format, you know? Yeah. And that's definitely something we picked up and ran with for sure. You know, it sounds like the stuff you were doing with like voiceover work and in that kind of industry and, um, studying drama and things. It seems like that kind of like predated 
music and has maybe been like a through line this entire time? Is that like, have you, when did you really start picking up that, that real, um, you know, the, the video games and the, that kind of like voiceover work? What was your entry into that? Um, I just, uh, I, honestly, I just kind of fell into it because, uh, um, I, I always liked doing goofy voices and, uh, you know, being a smoker since I was 15 years old, give me a deep, uh, cadence. So, right. um, and then I became friends with, a a woman who was, uh, I became friends with a woman who was, a a voiceover caster and she said, Hey, you want to come to a voiceover class? And I said, yeah, sure. And then, uh, I did that and, um, yeah. And then I got an agent and, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really weird. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. When you can be the loudest guy in the room, <laughs> I, I did so much work as like if everybody if anybody needed a villain or a bad guy right. or anything or like a, a a a a dinosaur or something and you needed someone to go yeah <laughs> you're, and they call the me in yeah that was the guy it was it was good living yeah. You know, it's that work I've done. Um, I've worked with voiceover actors, and also worked with people who wanted to be. And I don't think it. I don't think people realize it's not as easy as most people think. It's really acting, you know. And yeah, the fact that you could do it and make some money out of it is, you know, it's it really is kind of underrated. There's way too many people that think they can they could do it. And I'm telling you right now, they can't. Because <laughs> I've done their demo reels for them. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to have a conversation with you about it after. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's the, there are those moments where you have to get high and get low and be quiet and be loud and, and learn how to act. And... Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I would, I would never call myself an actor any more than I would call myself a musician. But you have to learn those things yeah. and uh, let the microphone do the work, let the camera do the work, and uh, um, yeah, uh, it's. I, 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 and, and just with the, just with music, you can let the music speak for itself. It's not always going to be good. But at least you can put it out there, yeah. And it can be yeah. something. Um, it's not always going to be good, but at least put it out there. Have the guts to put it out there. When, like, how much when you're when you get a job doing like voiceover work, do you you get a script and you go home with the script and like stick no. with it for a while and try to figure it out? Or you just like be at the no. studio at two o'clock and then you just get handed something? Yes. You, yes. you just get okay. handed something and it's like, okay, here's a fox with a bow and arrow. Can you do that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then this, no, these are, these are actual stories. And this is a wizard who's like 127 years old. Can you be that guy? Yes, I can. And, uh, <laughs> 
Okay, so now you're going to be a dwarf who is jumping around. <laughs> yeah, it's just that it's it, it it's a it's a matter of adapting to like. <laughs> In my mind, it was always don't fuck this up, and you got to get a paycheck at the end of the day. And if somebody tells you to do something, fucking do it. Right, right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. you want dark and ominous. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it became fun, you know? Sure. Like, like it, it, But you had to prepare yourself for it. Like, okay, okay, okay. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. You just got to like get in the headspace of like, I'm wide open. Do you do anything to like prepare your voice? Uh just have a cigarette? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I've tried, like, to prepare myself for it. And then in the lobby, that's the other thing. Like, that was always one of the, that was always another one of my goals. Like, like you would see other guys in the lobby, and they just acted like the biggest fucking dicks. And it's like, and it's like, fuck you, man. Oh, I'll tell you a story. Uh, so, are you guys familiar with the movie Up in the Air with George Clooney? Yeah, very oh, yeah. familiar. Yeah. Great film. Okay. Yeah. So, I got to be his voice when, like, to overdub the swear words. Oh, <laughs> Like, when he would say, uh, like, when he would say, ah, shit, I would say, ah, shoot. <laughs> I love that. Oh, for like That's the like, TV, yeah. like the TV. Oh my god! Or I would love Guys, to do something it, like that. <laughs> so you were trying to do like phony curse words as George Clooney. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> but here's what happened. So uh, my agent called me, and we we all we went to uh, the Warner Brothers studio lot in Burbank, and there was like a dozen other voice actors, and I'm just sitting there in a corner quietly just like reading a book and the other guys are all trying to like say hey wh what impressions do you do and i'm like <laughs> fuck all of you and i'm sitting there in the corner and then one by one they brought us all in and we all had to read a couple of lines one by one one by one one by one hours are going by and then finally the the casting director came out and said, thank you all for coming out here. You all did a really great job. Popeye, would you come into the room with us? Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm thinking, oh man, what the what what the fuck did I do? I, like I'm getting punished for something. Like I'm getting and and then I realized I got the job. And so all of these fucking assholes <laughs> walked by me. And they all gave me the stink eye. No. And, and I'm just like sitting there like with my book like, fuck yeah, motherfucker. I got this job. <laughs> and you did not. You did not. You did not. You did not. And I didn't even prance around like an industry douchebag like you did. Yeah. Exactly. And then I went in and they said, hey, Popeye, can you say fudge? Oh, shoot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, crap. So do you actually like – try to do a Clooney when you're doing it? Like, I don't know. I was, or did you get to watch like the movie first to just even know like what kind of Yeah, vibe? they just give you a little clip like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, ah, farts. Uh -huh. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, again, going back to uh, smoking cigarettes for so many right. years, I suppose. I don't know. So if I watch up in the air, I'm like TNT. That's you. Yeah. That will be me. I love and, that. And uh, so. I still get paid for it. Oh, yes. you get residuals for Resage. doing the overdubs. Yeah, That's maybe like uh, maybe like uh, you know eight bucks every three months, but uh, but still, but <laughs> man, like I, I, I walked out, of, <laughs> I walked out of that studio, and I and I went to Subway and I got the biggest sandwich that I could get, and I was like, yeah, man, you had to be George Clooney for forty five minutes. <laughs> it was a, probably the best day of my life. It was great. That's awesome. You were Clooney. Yeah. I was Clooney. Put that on the resume. You're kind of are Clooney, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Who writes the copy for that? Because there's always like the famous, what's the one from like Big Lebowski? Like, uh, that's what you get, Larry, when you, uh, <laughs> I forget what the line is, but there's just some awful like. Who writes the copy? Oh, yeah. dude, I've got to tell you, the one that is so bad that it still makes me angry fucking 20 years after I heard it. It's uh-huh. from the fucking Godfather. Because it changes the whole plot. The Godfather, when Sonny is going to, his first hit when he's going to kill that guy in like the restaurant. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he go and they plant a gun in the bathroom. And, uh, and uh, what's his name? Um, the Irish one. James Kahn. James Kahn. James Kahn yeah. goes, oh, yeah. get a good, get the right guy for this job. Make sure that gun is in there. I don't want my brother walking out of this bathroom with his dick in his hand. And they fucking overdubbed it as, I don't want my brother walking out of the bathroom with a stick in his hand. <laughs> and I was so fucking, I'm like, that's just confusing. Yeah. I fucking, it still makes me angry that they didn't just fucking like bleep it out or something. Yeah, just bleep it out. That's, dude, I remember just the big Lebowski one now. I don't want my, I don't but, want my brother Lebowski? walking out with a in his hand. Yeah, just. Yeah. It's the scene, it's the scene when he's, he's like, Larry, this is what happens when you fuck somebody Yes, and it goes. You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> so it goes from when you fuck a stranger in the ass to when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> but that one's so fucked up that it's like it's a comedy. It almost is like it's just weird. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sure the uh, Coens were were stoked about that. They don't care yeah. about you know their scripts at all. Um, Seriously, wow. Man, goodness. So <laughs> I I did I did a little investigation into Alex from Gaslight Anthem actually is a big time gamer. And I saw one of your credits being Elder Scrolls, and I'm such a bad yeah. gamer that I'm oh. like, you ever played that one? He's like, dude, you've literally bought me a Skyrim birthday cake. Um and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't realize the two were connected. Sorry. <laughs> so He's telling me a little bit about, about this fella Farkas. Yep. And apparently, like, you can fight alongside him. You can marry his character. Yes. Um, you know, like, I have to imagine through the years now, you've met... Some people must have an emotional connection to Farkas. Uh, yes. Uh, if they've been married well, to, I mean, to I you mean, in an like imaginary a, world. I mean, he's, he's like a... He's, Farkas is a seven-foot-tall... Uh, hulking figure with a gigantic sword, and uh, yeah, I mean it's perfect casting because I'm that guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, 
my favorite thing is that uh, Jeff Caudill had a uh, a solo project called Jeff Caudill and the Good Times Band. Uh-huh. I don't I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but I got to play guitar and see sing um, backup vocals. Okay, but our keyboard player <laughs> was a physical education teacher, uh-huh. and he was in a band with me, and I did the voice for. Farkas. Oh, okay. And he asked me, like, you know, these kids are like, they're really nerdy, but would you be happy to like do some like autographed photos for them or whatever? Yeah. So I said, yeah, absolutely. And so I, uh, that was my proudest moment of being Farkas. It was a very fun revelation for me today when I heard that you were that guy, like you were the same guy. I didn't realize it and I thought it was cool. Um, do you ever mention to people you were in Farside and they double take and think you were in the hip hop group? <laughs> <laughs> um, there was only one time um, <laughs> when uh, we played a show and some hip hop guys showed up and. Uh, oh, really? They actually came? <laughs> yeah, in Long Beach, California. I'm like, yo, is Farside playing tonight? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't think it's the same band that you were. <laughs> no. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Popeye. Okay. Off to the ski lodge with you, Brad? Yeah, absolutely. Here I go. Get out of here. Car's <laughs> waiting. <laughs> yeah, I got my cross-country skis on right now. Nice. Wearing a bunch that of was... fleece. <laughs> <laughs> what color is your fleece, Betty? Do you have uh, like a... I went with... Like uh, I, went, I went with salmon. <laughs> <laughs> Some salmon fleece. <laughs> Is that what you people wear? Is that possible? I might be the first Jew who's ever cross-country skied. <laughs> <laughs> There's some records here. <laughs> Try to change uh, culture, bro, you know? I want to see it. It's, Put this Jew in salmon fleece and get me on the snow. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Dude, you're in Jersey. Just get a fucking leather jacket, some fucking Levi's, and hit the, hit the snow. That's what I'm saying. Can I keep it real out there? I don't, yeah, that's sure always you one can. of the problems that like keeps me away from stuff like this. Is all seriously, it's the gear. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like wait, if I do this thing, I have to wear this coat, you know, or these <laughs> pants. Like, can I just do this thing, like being myself, you know? Yeah. Anyway, you can you just get wet? <laughs> 
I bet Popeye doesn't cross-country ski. I'll bet that he doesn't. <laughs> we should ask that. <laughs> but everybody's got to go check out the Calling Hours record. It's excent keeping yeah. Revelation records going. Yeah, well, that's cool. You know, and it's nice to see them out there playing, doing the thing, and and going for it for real. I love it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, he's your hero, Benny. Yeah, you know, I got a lot. Of, <laughs> he's definitely up there. Definitely yeah. up there. I mean, you know, I wish people like this could realize how many times I've sat in a room like singing, heartfelt singing, you know? <laughs> like when it pencil up to your mouth, really going for it, you know? <laughs> your pencil I, mic? <laughs> yeah. I even remember, too, I was just talking about this with Brian Fallon. We were talking about how, like, I remember back in the day, I'd be in detention in high school. And I would like draw album covers of my band with like the labels I wanted to be on, like right. on the bottom. You know what I mean? Right. So it'd be like Dilemma brought to you by <laughs> Revelation Records, you know? Like, oh man, that would be so cool. Shit. <laughs> Dilemma. That was your band? <laughs> yeah. Dilemma. That was the first real one. Nice. Don't fuck nice. around. Fuck around and find out. <laughs> Some shit out there. I think the uh, NJ Pop Punk, uh, NJPP Archives, if anybody is looking for like old random New Jersey shit, this dude took like every demo and EP from the Jersey, New York scene from like all through the 90s and and made them available. Um, oh, really? Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. So a lot, a lot of my old demo, I, th- I believe it's the, the New Jersey pop punk archives, NJPP archives, if anybody's looking wow. for stuff. And I do believe the Dilemma demo is on there, if I'm not mistaken. That's uh, cool. So don't, you know, don't mess around, okay? That band was, <laughs> that band was serious. Okay. You know, I didn't really have drums yet. You know, my family was split. I'm living in an apartment and I didn't have a throne and the first drum throne I had was my guitar player, Joe Alessandra's dining room kitchen or dining room table like chair from his <laughs> dining room set right. that I would just like every time we had practice, I'd go up, grab the dining room chair and bring it down. <laughs> and I ended up getting so used to it that the first couple shows I asked his parents if I could like use the no chair. No way. So I like brought their chairs no. to the first couple shows. <laughs> Before they were like, dude, like, yeah, like this is our dining room set, you know? Like, <laughs> I was just like, awesome. oh, really? Dude. This I is when I see. realized I was like a housebroken animal. <laughs> I was lost. I was broke. I was chubby. I cursed too much. I can't imagine why so many people helped me out because I was such a buffoon. That is one of the ones. Listen, one of my first practices at Paul Hortensio's house in Woodbridge to go play with the band Yell Boy, which wound up being Full Circle Swing. Two things happened. His dad had a very manicured lawn. I walked right across it. (laughs) I didn't know about paths. I didn't know about driveways. Just total fucking animal. A guy comes in the basement. He goes, oh, who's got the gondola feet? (laughs) It's an Italian guy, Mr. Hortensio. And I'm like, oh, gondola feet. Uh, he's like, who walked across the lawn? And he brings me upstairs to show me my oh, giant Bigfoot fucking prints 
What? Like going through the grass with whatever like manicured grass he had. What the fuck? And then about, so I didn't have a basement. I was living in an apartment, so I didn't know what a sub pump was, okay? Yeah. I didn't know what this hole behind me when I was playing drums was. So you're pissing So what did I start doing? <laughs> I would take broken sticks after oh, I'd shit. break them at practice and put them in this hole behind me. You know what that hole was? This, this was the same house? The same house. Oh, my it God. It was their sub pump. <laughs> I stuffed up their fucking sub pump with broken <laughs> drumsticks and wood. I don't even know how much it must have cost. <laughs> Were you they still, let me, they still let me play there. They, didn't get, they, they knew that asking me for money was a fool's errand, you know? They just kept letting me play. I don't know why these people uh, took such mercy on me. Wow. You know? Where we sit today, truly a blessing, you know? Seriously. Goodness. Goodness. (laughs) Well, here's Uh, props to Mr. Whoever, man. That's Mr. Atenzio, former superintendent of the Clark School District. Big shout out. Nice people. (laughs) Paul's now, uh, he does pools now in Florida. Great guy. Surfer. Got giant bongs. Lots of dogs. Good guy. So, yeah, that's that. But everybody... uh, Check out the Calling Hours record. Yeah, their socials are at Calling Hours Music if you want to check on those. And, Um, you know, if you want to trip down memory lane with this music I'm talking about, you know, I would start with, let's say, Far Side Monroe Doctrine, Shades Apart Seeing Things, uh, which sense field? I don't know, one of the early sense fields, Killed for Less or something. Mm. And you could go off rev, maybe get yourself an Elliot record and uh, jump into the scene that meant so much to us a little, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of fucking good music in there. There really is. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Brad, uh, have a great week. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah and Thank happy you. holidays. And right. um, same to everybody else out there. Yeah. I hope you enjoy your time at the motel. Motel 6 Bye everyone Uh. 